DW. The 77%. Good day, everyone. It's always a pleasure having you with us on the 77% show. On this week's program, we are looking at major factors that influence career choice among young people in Africa. DW's correspondent, Privilege Mushaniri, will join us from Harare, Zimbabwe, with three young people to dissect the topic. This is just a taste of it. But to be honest, maybe as a kid, you know, you grew up wanting to be a pilot, but you'd be like, mm, at a certain point, you'd be like, okay, this is not for me. But uh, it's, it's a learning process that goes around. Still to come on the program, we would head to Mali to hear from some young people who had to step out of their comfort zone to take up different jobs. What I want to do is to go back to Kalabugu across the river and speak with Dogotrigi. I'll bring Campo as my witness. And together, we'll explain that I want to dedicate my work to agriculture. Remember, you can also be part of this program. Visit our Facebook page, DW Africa, and drop your comments. One of the biggest criticisms of African educational system is that it does not train students for the job market. Thus, many find themselves pursuing careers for which they never trained in school. But as the job market is becoming more and more competitive and skill-focused, many young Africans would confirm that school only taught them how to learn and adapt. Adaptability to the demands of the labor market is more important than anything learned in school, some of them would even argue. With COVID-19 further impacting the global economy and affecting youth employment, the question arises as to what extent students will need to step away from their areas of studies to get into what is likely to be an increasingly competitive job market. Let's take the debate to Harare, the capital of Zimbabwe, where Privilege Mushaniri is standing by. Good day to you, Privilege. Good day, Mimi. A warm welcome to Harare, Zimbabwe's capital. I am Privilege Mushaniri, your host for today's debate. As my colleague Mimi has mentioned, we are talking about career choices. Permit me to introduce the three panelists joining me today. With me here, I have Ruth Carissa, 26-year-old, who is a finance person at a medical company. Hello, Ruth. Hello, Privilege. Thank you for having me today. I have also Mukudze Manyozo, 26 years, an assistant manager at a safari company. Glad to have you with us. Hi, Privilege. Uh, thank you for having me. And also, we are joined by 22-year-old Gracious Mazivananga, final year chemical engineering student. Welcome to the 77% debate, Gracious. Thank you, privilege, for having me today. Today, we talk youth career choices. I would like to start with you, Gracious. What really drove you to make this choice to say, I want to study chemical engineering? Um, I found an interest in both chemical side of it as well as the process system side of it. And that drove me to pursue the program I'm doing at the moment. What do you really love? Uh, is it about the sciences, the digits, the mixing of different things? 
Fumia is everything about it, from the mathematics to the labs to the being physical in a mine or is it in a process, the whole aspect of it drove me to actually pick that program. When growing up, sometimes we have so many ambitions to be in certain professions, but it, it can change, you know, as you're growing up. How is it for you? Did you get to change the professions that you had wanted to be as you were growing up? I know sometimes when your parents ask you, they, you can say, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a train driver, I want to be a policeman, I want to be a soldier. Maybe Ruth or Mukudze, let's hear from you. For me personally, nothing has really changed because uh, as far as I can remember, I've always had an interest uh, for, for tourism and what it involves around. But to be honest, maybe as a kid, you know, you grew up wanting to be a pilot, but you'd be like, mm. at a certain point, you'd be like, okay, this is not for me. But uh, it's, it's a learning process that goes around. Let's hear from you, Ruth. Has anything changed? Well, for me, the passion is to, it has always been finance. I mean, I enjoy the authority that comes with being the person who's responsible with finances. People in finance ultimately have the end decision with everything and anything, and that's what I've always enjoyed. For me, the, the passion is to its finance. I've always been good in numbers, so it has always been like that. What could be the best way to guide one to choose a career path in a world that is now filled with many influences that include family, technology, among many things? I think even when our parents, when they were growing up, they, it was a totally different environment. They would have maybe careers being chosen for them. What I realize is uh, at a certain point, some people, like what you're saying, uh, are told what to do. That still hasn't changed in some families, in some households. They are, you're actually told what, what to go study and stuff like that. But I feel like even in schools, I think they should introduce like uh, programs whereby they have people who come to schools and teach them, or teach the students in in, uh, for, uh, in terms of career guidance, because if you find that, that um, someone will be confused, they don't even know what they want to do or they're, they're not too sure. So maybe sometimes it won't be something that you actually like or enjoy, but just because your friend or best friend wants to do that, you'll be like, okay, since yeah, I don't actually know what to do, let me just follow through. I also agree with Mukudze. When it comes to career guidance, we really need to actually take time to learn more about them. Because what happens as you're growing up, you see more like the outside topic of any program. Then when you get to university, you actually start to experience what the degree is all about. And also, we need to actually get taught more about sustainability in careers that we actually pick. There are some degrees that might actually be something you might like or you fancy because of what you've heard, but then the sustainability of the degree is actually quite low. Right, interesting views from Ukudze and uh, Gracious. Ruth, our parents push us to be what they failed to be. Is that true for, uh, what, what do you think about that, uh, Ruth? For some families, that is true. Uh, a parent can push a child to be a doctor because they failed to be a doctor. But what is important is for, for a child to pursue what's on, deep in their heart. Thank you so much for those interesting views. Just to remind our listeners, this is the 77th program on DW Africa.
Today's debate is coming to you from Harare, Zimbabwe. And today we are discussing the topic career choices among young people. We will take a short break and go back to our main studio in Bonn, where my colleague Mimi Mefo is on standby to read some of the comments coming through our social media. Over to you, Mimi. Thank you, Privilege, and we once more welcome our listeners to the 77th century. On this program, we talk to young people about key issues affecting their day-to-day lives. Before we read out the Facebook comments to our listeners, let's head to Segu in Mali to meet a tour guide who radically changed track and delved into farming. His motivations are in this report by DW's Brampos Thomas. Bakar Koulibaly was born 35 years ago here in Segu and he spent a good part of his working life crossing this river with tourists, sometimes up to four times a day. And now he's making the same crossing with one lone visitor, me. In the first 10 years of this century, tourism was really great in Mali, and especially here in Segu. We made quite a bit of money then. There were 21 hotels in this town, all doing well thanks to tourism. But now, only two or three keep their doors open. Mali's last top year for tourism was 2011, when 200,000 visited the country. The next year, they were all gone. Bakar Koulibaly and his colleagues were prepared for the hard times, he tells me. I had saved money from the good times and from making and selling jewelry on the side, also to tourists. But when it all stopped, we had no idea that this was going to last this long. So we had to use our savings until they ran out. I literally have nothing left. For Bakar, it was clear that this could not go on. He had no money, no work, and the tourists were not coming back. But he was about to have a few strokes of good fortune. I had an old friend in the village of Kalabugu, where we are now. It's across the river from Segu. So last year, this old friend gave me the idea to start in agriculture. This is what he told me, the land will never betray you. But the question is how to get land. This was Bagar's second bit of good fortune. I'm bad night. This is Usman Campo, the father of the boatman who just helped us across the river. Campo explains how land is acquired in Kalabugu. If you want to land here, you must settle here. Each family already has a plot of land, and those lands that are not assigned can be given to you by the Dogotwigi, the village head. Only he gives the land. And it's all done through discussion. 
Long story short, Bagar, not from Kalabugu, was not automatically entitled to a piece of land. So Usman Campo gave him a vacant plot for one season. There, Bagar grew a fine quantity of peanuts last year, which sold very well. And this gave rise to his second project, a garden. In a faraway new suburb of Segu called Pilingana, Bakar is growing tomatoes, onions, vegetables and maize on another piece of shared land. For him, all of this is phase one. What he really wants is to have his own piece of land. And he thinks this is possible. What I want to do is to go back to Kalabugu across the river and speak with Dogotugi. I'll bring Campo as my witness. And together, we'll explain that I want to dedicate my work to agriculture because tourism is gone. Does he think this plan will succeed? He's been lucky so far. That's a yes then, but what do Bakar's colleagues think of his plans? We got hold of Harun Aldolo of similar age as Bakar. He also worked as a guide and has also fallen on hard times. No, I never saved money. My money went to helping others. I gave it away to people who had no money to buy medicines, food, send their children to school and so on. I never regretted it, helping others. But unlike Bakar, Haruna finds it difficult to turn his back on tourism completely and holds out hope that things will improve. I think what Bakar is doing is a very good idea because we don't know when this situation will end. But me, I'm looking at African tourists now, people from Congo, Rwanda, people who work here in Mali and want a weekend in Segu, away from the capital Bamako. But Bakar remains set on his new course. I don't have the time to wait until tourism comes back to Mali. Everyone knows this is not happening. European governments tell people not to travel to Mali, and if they do, they travel at their own risk. So, no, you must change, do other things. That was Brampos Thomas reporting from the central Malian town of Segu, which was up until some 10 years ago, a major tourist attraction. But that had to stop completely in 2012, compelling many to take up different jobs. This topic also triggered reactions on our DW Africa Facebook page. Jean-Marie Gonsong has reacted saying that, I dreamt to become a journalist and God made it possible. Despite all odds, I will still want to be the people's messenger, their mouthpiece, and their storyteller. Sad, we work in an environment where job security is still creeping. For now, access to sources of information is very difficult because of COVID-19. Well, you can always participate on the program by sending your comments to our DW Africa Facebook page as well. Let's now return to Zimbabwe to hear from Privilege and his panelists how COVID-19 is affecting jobs. Welcome back. We have just had interesting comments coming through our social media and the interesting story from Mali on how COVID-19 is now influencing young people. One of them who worked in tourism and is now reinventing himself as a farmer because tourism has died in his area. Now, back to my panelists here in Harare. 
how has the pandemic affected your work? I would want to hear from you, Mukudze, and uh, probably Ruth as well, on how the pandemic has affected you individually. For me, it has definitely affected me in, in a negative manner because um, because of the industry, obviously, that I, that I work in. Due to coronavirus, everything is pretty much closed up. So it has forced us to stay at home, especially for us in the tourism sector. Sometimes it's even so bad that people are being let go at work. And uh, to you, Ruth, how has the pandemic affected you? For me particularly, being um, an employee in the medical sector, it's been tough. It's a win-lose, win-lose. One time business is very high. We have people coming through because of the pandemic and all. Then on the, other, on the flip side of the coin, we're also losing business. As people tend not to be in operation, the other side of, of business is being lost. So operations are not as 100% effective, but all the same, results are expected for, of you, and you need to produce results. So it's, it's a win-win, it's a lose-lose. Depending on how you'd want to view it, it's either you win or you lose, but it's been a tough situation. Yeah, difficult times that we are going through. But uh, would you then consider changing your career looking at the situation now? Looking at myself as a student, I've been set back a year when it comes to maybe my career trajectory. Mukudze, would you uh, consider changing your career looking at uh, the circumstances now that uh, your industry is going through? Uh, I don't think I would want to change because it's something that I'm really passionate about. But on the other hand, it gives you an opportunity to learn other stuff. So even if you, you might be still be employed as a, as a tourism person uh, due to the pandemic, uh, you, it gives you learning time to try out other stuff. So you can have uh, a bit of an edge to some extent. To just round up, how best could young people stay focused in their careers or reinvent themselves when things fail to work under the current situation. This pandemic is also increasing opportunities for us, if we look at it. In the science sector, a lot of research is being done for the pandemic, and we are finding ways to work around it. So I would encourage the youth to look at their career path, and how can you make a difference? How can you change it? And how can you make your career path actually align with this? Well, we have run out of time. We could have continued with the interesting discussion. It leaves me to thank you, Ruth, Mukudze, and uh, Gracious for being part of this debate. We now return to Mimi in our studios in Bonn, Germany. Thank you so much, Privilege, for that interesting debate. We also appreciate those who are commenting on the topic on our DW Africa Facebook page. Please visit dw.com forward slash 77% and tell us whether you would like to pick up a different career if you were asked to decide. Also, let us know if COVID-19 has affected your job in any way. You can catch up with other interesting topics on our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash DW Africa. Until next time, I am Mimi Mefo and goodbye for now.